0: But a sidebar on communication so that's important in times like these you've received a lot of communication over the course of the last week um, if you didn't receive an email from us at the church because we sent one to because everyone has to send you an email um, that means we don't have your email on our distribution list so if you could write that on the connection card and hand that to me after the service, I'll make sure that Donna enters you in. So when there's church-wide communication about an event or a cancellation or whether or not we're having church, that sort of thing is communicated via email. Also, on our website, on the front page, there's a notice, Uh, basically, we're having church. Wash your hands and be careful, just like every other notice you've received, right? And uh, we will, you know, we'll try to keep you posted as things evolve, and who knows how that's going to be, right? So we'll stay connected. Our board has sort of an ongoing dialogue about whether to have church or not, or what to do, or how to do it, or that sort of thing. So that will continue, and we'll try to keep you posted. But you know what? At the end of the day, church is not the most important thing in the world, is it? Coming together for church is pretty important, but it's not the main thing, it's not the only thing. It's only a way that we come to connect, and these are times that are driving us toward disconnection, right? Remember 9-11, I was talking earlier about a point of reference. 9-11 brought us together, didn't it? Yeah, churches were filled. And this is, this, I mean, we've, a term has been born, social distancing. It's been around, right? But it's not been used like it is now. So everybody sends you an email, right? How many emails did you get? This is how brave Catherine is. She had dinner last night with me and four other pastors. And we were talking about this, right? You get emails from everyone, from your car mechanic, assuring you that everything's going to be okay. from the stores that they're going to be closing for these hours. Uh, Steve was there. Steve got one from his cable company assuring him that they were taking measures everywhere, right? The hair salon, the dentist, the doctor, everywhere that you go. What are they, what's What's that all about? We're trying to offer you assurance. That's what it's about. And all of those uh, companies and corporations, in addition to trying to be socially responsible and feeling the pressure because everyone's doing it to assure you that everything's gonna be okay. We're trying to make you feel better about life. We're trying to make you feel okay. We're trying to give you a sense of normalcy. And guess what? It's not working, is it? Because we don't feel any better. We don't feel a sense of resolve. We can't look ahead a few days and say, okay, this, you know, everything's gonna, it's all gonna pass, it's all gonna come out, it's all gonna be fine, we don't know. We don't know how long it's going to go on, we don't know how long our lives are going to be disrupted. Whether or not we fear physically for ourselves in terms of disease, we fear about how our lives are being impacted in ways that are beyond our control, right? It's always been like this, but now we know that literally we have no control over tomorrow. So what we're looking for is peace. Right? A sense of internal harmony. The understanding that everything's going to be okay. And I think scripture offers that to us, and I think we're ripe to receive it right now, right here, in these moments. In Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 5 and verse 1, He introduces us to some big words and beautiful concepts. Since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we've obtained access to this grace in which we now stand and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that's been given to us. So here we, we encounter a lot of theological terms that we're sort of familiar with if we've been in the church for any length of time. It kind of resonates with us. We, we've heard about justification, that we're justified by faith. We've heard about peace. We've heard about grace. We've heard about glory. And we've heard about hope and the development of character and all of this. but. But Paul just strings them all together here masterfully in this opening paragraph of Romans chapter 5. What I want to know is how you and I can work our way into those big beautiful theological concepts in times like these. And hasn't that always been the challenge for us in the church? And in the process of character development and community formation, we're trying to work our way into a reality that seems just a little bit too elusive for us. So we can come together on Sunday and we can talk about peace and grace and joy and hope and isn't everything spectacular? but then we walk out of here with that kind of sinking feeling in our gut that maybe we're just not entirely connected to those concepts in a way that's going to be transformative in our lives. In other words, how do we take the hope, the joy, the peace, the justification, the glory, the character, all of that, how do we put that together in a way that's harmonious and in a way that makes a difference in my life when I don't know What tomorrow holds. When I'm concerned. When I'm uncertain. When I'm hearing on the news about the financial repercussions of this thing that are just going to be massive. It's frightening. I don't have a lot of money in the bank. I don't have a lot of reserve. Maybe my job is not certain. Maybe I work in the service industry. And maybe the place I work is going to be closed for a time. Maybe they're going to cut back with or without pay. I don't know. See, all of this, how do we take this and apply it to that, right? Pray with me and then let's let's explore a little bit. Got a long and rambling introduction to what we might all be looking for this morning. Something that we don't have to give to one another because it's not our possession, but something that comes from you. This is theology. This is the study of, of you, God, And of how you meet us. And so, our prayer, God, is through these ancient texts that you would speak to us, that you would open our hearts, God, open our minds today in brand new ways to see like we've never seen before. And God, we don't even have the audacity this morning to ask you specifically do this, do that, fix the other. God, we just want to be open to you in ways that we've not been open before. Because we're trusting you. And we're hoping in you. The crown jewel of Christianity is justification by faith. It was the battle cry of the Reformation. It's an integral part of our DNA as Baptist Christians. We understand, we believe, that we are justified by faith alone in Christ alone and Paul begins by saying as a consequence of this reality since we've been justified by faith we have peace with God meaning that the divine other and me and my humanity are no longer warring with one another there's been an alignment because of Jesus. Jesus Christ has become the mediator between God and men because what? He was both human and divine. And His life, His death, His resurrection completely bridged that gap. That's the cornerstone. That's the foundation upon which everything else is built that is the fundamental and elementary understanding that must be in place before we endeavor to make sense out of everything else. And it's so simple and so beautiful. Because of Christ Jesus, you can have a friendship with God. It's amazing. That's where it begins. We have peace with God, which leads ultimately to peace within ourselves. We have peace with God through Jesus, through whom, verse 2, we've obtained access to this grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of sharing in the glory of God. Now, about the concept of grace. Grace grace is the engine that fuels justification. The concept of justification is that when God looks at you, it's just as if you've not sinned. God views you through the lens of the perfection of Christ. That's grace. Grace means we don't get what we deserve, grace is ice cream before the meal. Grace is allowing room and space in your life. Grace is forgiveness. Grace is understanding. Grace is compassion. Grace is the commodity in stock in which we deal in Christianity. Grace is why I tolerate you. Grace is why You tolerate me. In spite of our imperfections, it doesn't count. It does not count. We don't view ourselves the way that we actually are. We view ourselves the way that God views us. And when God thinks about you, God smiles. It's like that. Do you know what it feels like to be entirely cared for? loved and adored. Sadly, not many do. That's how it is with God. So I don't know what you've heard. I don't know how you evolved. I don't know how you came to be where you are right now. And certainly you've heard conceptions of God that that are varying and different, right? Because we're all just trying to put the pieces together. If you don't understand anything else about God, I beg you to understand grace. There's a formulaic expression that comes to us from the Older Testament. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. It reverberates throughout the Old Testament scriptures. This is who God is. Compassionate, gracious, loving, slow to anger and abounding in love. I hope that's your conception of God. Because that's freeing and it's liberating in a way that nothing else is. So if your conception of the divine is that of a a cross between like a stringent police officer and a school librarian with their hair pulled back very tight, watching you, waiting for you to mess up not who God is God's not waiting for you to fail God is looking for you to succeed and endeavoring to make that so in our lives so we rejoice in this in justification in grace and and in glory right it makes us happy it's liberating it's helpful It means that no one at the end of the day is keeping score. No one's keeping track. I'm free to fail. I'm free to strive. I'm free to fall forward. This is good stuff because we're going to fall on our faces, aren't we? And challenging times like these make that apparent. Verse 3, not only this, not only so, not only that but we also boast in our sufferings. Do you rejoice in the challenges that come to you? Do you understand like the ancients that maybe the obstacle is the way? That this thing in your life, this boulder in your path, that you can't seem to push out of the way or go around or climb over that this thing, this suffering, this challenge, whatever it is. Are you ready to be happy about that? That's not what you signed up for, is it? That's not what we want. What I want is a life that's more manageable, thank you very much. I want convenience toilet paper on the shelf when I look for it I want eggs and bread I don't want to have to choose I want certainty I want to know what my weeks gonna look like I want to plan things out but here's Paul telling us to rejoice in suffering and 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 let's be real this is suffering No one would have chosen this do you have the wherewithal to rejoice in the midst of this because here's why suffering according to verse 3 produces endurance right it builds character character <clears throat> endurance verse 4 produces character And character produces hope. So there's a chain of logic or of reasoning here that these things that you experience are only going to make you better. That's why I like older folks. Because they have that understanding that, you know, like Dave said, this too will pass. We've been through some stuff. We're going to continue to go through some stuff. Life is going to be challenging and it's going to be problematic and it's going to bring us one uncertainty after another. It's going to bring us heartbreak. Life doesn't always go the way that we'd like it to go. The way that we react to that not only says everything about who we are, but determines who we become. You've heard that said, right? It's not what happens to you, it's how you respond to what happens to you that leads to the development of character. And we see it throughout history as we look at the lives of those who have suffered immensely more than than we could imagine. We, what have we had this past week? We've had some inconvenience, right? We've had some setbacks, some uncertainty, some frustration, some fear. That's nothing compared to what others have and are continuing to experience on a daily basis. But it's not your environment that determines who you are. It's how you are in your environment, how you respond to it. That's the development of character, right? It's like the saying that, That which doesn't kill you does what? Makes you stronger. And that's the development of Christian character, endurance. The more we experience, the more we're able to experience. And Maybe the first time we experience something, it really sets us back. The second time we experience it, we take it in stride. The third time that we experience it, You know what I'm saying? It leads to the development of character. We're forged in the fire. We're becoming a certain type of person. And the people that we're becoming, verse 5, we're becoming a people of hope. A people of hope. And I think that's what we're really looking for here, right? A light at the end of the tunnel. A sense that everything's going to be okay. It's all going to return to normal. Everything's going to go back to the way that it was before. I'm going to be all right. My loved ones are going to be cared for. That's hope. And Paul says, hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that he's given us. And that's where we see that it's not just a grin and bear it type of spirituality that we're endeavoring to build together. It's not only that which doesn't kill you makes you stronger, but there's a divine ingredient here that that can't really be quantified, can't be bought and sold, isn't a commodity. You can't purchase it. It's not available online. According to verse 5, it's the Spirit of God and God's love that's poured into our hearts through the agency of the Spirit of God. That's where hope comes from. That's where it originates, folks. Hope is not a consequence of circumstances. Hope comes from outside of us. Hope doesn't originate in me not in my bravery, not in my courage, not in my faults and my failings, not in my efforts to strive and to succeed. Hope doesn't come from us encouraging one another. Buck up, pal. It's going to be okay. Hope comes from outside of us. Hope is a gift of God. It comes through the agency of the Spirit of God. So as we look to God, as we depend on God, as we pray and worship and trust and live responsibly in light of the theology that we see in passages like this, hope comes to us. It's a gift. It always was. Just like grace, it comes from outside. That's why you're here today. That's why we're here. That's why we continue to show up, because we know that we need something from outside of us. a little bit we gain from one another. A lot we gain, a powerful lot, as we join together and look upwards for what comes only from outside of us. So let me invite you. Would, would you stand with me? And join with me, sisters, brothers, as we pray. God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come. God, fill this people with your spirit God give us a a, a buoyancy of spirit a fortitude a strength that's inexplicable and, uh, and unexplainable that we would see unmistakably that grace and God have been here Fill our hearts to overflowing, God. Give us more understanding, more compassion, more patience, more love, more, more, more. God, fill these vessels, we pray, in Christ. Amen.